Okay, fine. It's time for Mondays with Matt Marion podcast. Thank you guys for joining me once again. We are on episode eight. So this is the eighth week of doing this thing. Thank you guys so much. I get more and more listeners every week. Thanks to you guys for sharing all my episodes with everybody. And even if you're not sharing, just listening, man. That's what means the most to me. Woo! I am all jacked up on coffee right now. Holy moly. I haven't had any breakfast, man. I just, I don't eat breakfast before I have my coffee. I just, I just dive right in. I don't know about you guys. It's probably not the best way to do it. That's, that's how I do it though. So excuse me. Wow. I am ready to go. Sorry if I'm a little shaky during this thing, man. But, uh, how are you doing? How was your week? I hope it was fantastic. Hope some of you uh, maybe are getting back to work. But most of all, I hope you're being safe. Hope your job's not putting you out in the line of fire of COVID and you're staying healthy. Maybe some of us got tested and we're, we're negative. So I just hope you're COVID-free and happy. That's what I hope, guys. It's been a pretty good week for me. What did I do this week? I went hiking a lot. I went hiking a lot around Fayetteville. I did the, uh, I mostly go to the Kmore top. So Kmore is a, it's an old coal mine that ran up into, I think like the sixties or so. <clears throat> but the first mine was open there in like night around 1900. So a long time ago. And, uh, it's pretty cool. You uh, take a coal miner's trail that goes down about a half a mile, and then you're you're at the coal seam that runs like right in the middle of this big mountain. And then right there, there's a big set of stairs, 820-some stairs that go straight down to the very bottom. And that's where the an old coal tipple is, which is just like a, a big old building that they would run coal too, and I think maybe it would dump coal into into trains or something. I, I don't know, folks. I don't really know uh, all the details about coal mining, but it's really cool. You go down there, and the, the tipple, I read that they actually knocked it down on purpose so people wouldn't be climbing up in there and and hurting themselves. But then you go down there, and you can hike around, and there's some old Coke ovens. Not really sure exactly what Coke is either, but something that they do with coal to make Coke, and I think the Coke burns hot, and maybe they make steel with it or something. But there's this huge row of old Coke ovens that were built, like I said, around 1900, and it is kind of creepy. And uh, I, every time I go down there, I kind of get creeped out just a little bit, but I like it. You know, it's that creepiness that 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 excites you gets you going a little bit, gets the blood flowing. And then to go back, you have no choice. You could, I guess you could climb up the mountain, which would probably be just about impossible. But to go back, you have to go back up those 800 steps. I went there with my girlfriend uh, earlier this week, and it was her first time doing it, and I'm really proud of her for doing it. Uh, she's stuck in there. We trudged up them steps. Then once you get to the top of the steps, you have to go up another mountain. It's not easy, but it's a great workout. I highly recommend anybody going to Fayetteville, uh, looking for some good exercise and an interesting hike. Go to the Kmore Top. Take the Coal Miners Trail. If you feel good, feeling confident, do those stairs. 
but just know you have to come all the way back up. You have no choice. But I did that with her, and then I don't know if I think it was the next day or the day after that I did it by myself, and I went to the bottom of the steps. I'm like, I'm going to get a good workout in today. So I made it to the bottom of the steps, and then I just turned around, and I started running up the stairs, and that was a mistake. I probably made it up like, I don't even know, maybe 50 or so stairs trying to run, skipping a step each one, and I was done after that. So then I just trudged up. I use the word trudged whenever I'm I'm really tired, and I'm just, and I, I don't want to stop. Like, I'm just going to keep going, going to keep trudging along. I don't even know if that's a real word, trudging. Is it a word? Let's look it up. I do have the World Wide Web at my finger steps, trudge, trudge definition. Maybe I've been using it right all along. Walk slowly and with heavy steps, typically because of exhaustion or harsh conditions. I was using that word correctly. That word just works. Some words just sound like they're meant, you know, they sound like what they are. Trudge definitely is one of those words, at least in my opinion. I like to add in my opinion to things I say because most of the things I say, in fact, are not facts. Okay? So just know that going into this podcast. But we are in week eight, and it's going well. I was really, really proud of last week's podcast. I think it was the best one so far. And you can now find that episode on my YouTube channel, Mondays with Matt Marion YouTube channel. And just search episode seven, Mondays with Matt, and it should be on there. And all the episodes from here on out will be on YouTube as well. So I look forward to getting some more listeners that way. Some people, I think, are scared of SoundCloud or something, and that's understandable. You should be scared of things you don't understand. Or, no, you shouldn't be scared of things you don't understand. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really coffeeed up right now. I don't even know what I'm saying kind of having like an an out-of-body experience, you know what I mean? Words are just coming out of my mouth, don't even know what I'm saying. But let's keep keep trudging along. Let's just get into this thing, all right? I'm ready to get into this thing. Sorry if my energy is is putting you off here. Let's start off with some good news. I just heard a weird noise in my, in my, apartment or not apartment I live in a little house gosh I don't know if if y'all remember I think it was in my first or second episode I talked about one day I was in my office space which is just the room right next to my bedroom and excuse me and my girlfriend was just chilling on the bed it was morning time and she was just on her phone just chilling and all of a sudden I heard a big old crash and I thought I thought she had fallen or something. I don't know, but I just heard her gasp because it scared her. And it was my dresser just falling over out of nowhere. I didn't have any drawers open. You know, you have a, a drawer open and it uh, maybe could make it go off balance, but no drawers were open. I just decided that, hey, I'm off balance and I'm going to fall down. And it was just really creepy. I lifted it back up and was kind of pulling on it to see, like, how 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 much force does it take for this thing to fall on its own? And it was a decent bit of force. You know, I'd say, like, you know, a few pounds of, of pull to make it fall down. So then, you know, you, just, you start thinking about ghosts. Trying not to say you know too much. I know I've said it a few times already. Trying to cut that out. Let's move on. But I was thinking, this is a decently strong ghost, if it's a ghost. You know, it at least can pull, I I don't know, it could probably lift like 10 pounds or so. That's scary. That means that ghost could do some damage. What if it, it could pick up a knife, at least, with that kind of strength? could probably stab you with that kind of strength. Anyways, I had another weird experience 
I have some, I've been getting into bourbon, as I've talked about, and been trying to cut down on that too, not not trying to drink too much, maybe have a glass at the end of the night or so. But I was doing dishes, and all of a sudden this bottle just decided to fall off of the top of the refrigerator. And I did, I did it didn't bust, luckily. The cap kind of broke and hit me in the leg, and it frightened me a little bit. My girlfriend was here. She was, I think she was in the living room at the time, and that bottle just fell on its own. So I put it back on the fridge, and I'm kind of like, I kind of shake my fridge, see like what would make a bottle fall off the top and opening the fridge and closing it. And it did, it does, it did have a tendency to make that bottle shift a little bit, but all the other bottles were pushed back. So it was kind of, kind of creepy. I'll keep all updated on this house. I just don't know. It's, it's too small. Like I feel like the smaller the house, the less scary of a haunting it is because I can I know what's going on in every room at all times. But any weird noise it it, uh, it is crazy. I woke up yesterday to something hitting my window. I think it was a bird. So that woke me up. I was up after that. I think it was a bird, but it might have been a ghost. I don't know. Things are getting creepy out there. Anywho, let's move on to good news. I did find a good news article on the Good News Network. The headline is, Face-masked Batman is a superhero to the homeless, bringing food to them across Santiago. Santiago? Santiago? I'm going to say Santiago. And here it is. The streets of Santiago, Chile, may be a long way from Gotham City. (laughs) That's true. That is true. It's nowhere near Gotham City. But among its citizens dwells a true superhero. Far from being a fictional crime solver, Batman's not real, he's a real-life hunger fighter who distributes food to the city's homeless population on a regular basis. With his Batmobile, or in this case, white SUV, fully stocked with a cargo of hot meals, he dons a shiny black costume, complete with a cape and two masks, one with pointy comic book ears and eyes. Slot. We don't. They don't need to explain Batman's mask. I'm sorry. This is Good News Network. I shouldn't be getting onto them, but it says one with pointy comic book ears and eye slots. The other for COVID-19 protection. Oh, oh, they're saying he's wearing two masks because it's mask covered. That makes so much sense. I'm I'm still surprised Batman doesn't cover up his mouth. There, there have been adaptations where he covers up his eye holes with something or goggles. That makes a lot of sense. But he's just too fast. You can't shoot him in the mouth because he's too fast. He'd move. He's smart. He knows great defense techniques. I will defend Batman up and down. I've seen Batman in comic books. I've seen him take down Superman, a crazed Superman, because... The reason Superman, he doesn't really fear Superman that much is because Superman inside is good and he won't kill. I, I, you know, there's been adaptations where he has killed like in war and stuff, but Batman knows that Superman isn't going to kill him. But one time Superman was poisoned by this toxin created by the Joker and it made Superman a super bad person. And he was ruthless. So he... I think Batman was even in his, like, his Superman fighting suit. And Superman just takes him up in the air and starts ripping off his suit. And just keeps going higher and higher, straight up into the air. Rips off all of Batman's stuff. And Batman's like, wow. This Superman is not kidding around. He will kill me. Because he's under the influence of this toxin. But he says, thankfully I'm chewing on some kryptonite gum. And he just spits in Superman's face. And that makes Superman and him fall back to Earth. And I just thought that was a great example how you just can't take down Batman. Superman cannot beat Batman because Batman's just way smarter. 
He's always five steps ahead of you. Maybe 10. Heck, maybe 15 steps ahead of you. Are there 15 steps anything? Anyways, let's go on with this article. The self-proclaimed Solidarity Batman is doing his part to make life during Chile's months long lockdown more bearable for some of those hardest hit by the current current pandemic. But this Batman's do-good mission is about more than simply delivering food. Knowing that sometimes all it takes to nourish the soul is a little humor or a few kind words, he aims to feed people's hearts as well as fill their stomachs. He chose the Batman outfit to cheer people up, and it fosters feeling of togetherness. That's awesome. That is some great good news. For sure. How about that? I notice I say how about that after all these interesting articles, and I'm going to keep doing it. Anything else worth mentioning on here? First grader turns her dream of feeding homeless people into reality. This is awesome. I think we got a good batch of kids right now. They all get a... All kids throughout every generation gets, you know, knocked on. Like, we didn't have that when we were kids, and you're lucky to have this. We had to do that. But after long-term subbing for the past couple years, man, kids do not have it very easy. Back in the day, you might have gotten bullied at school, but then you got to go home, be with your family, be with your real friends, and the bullying stopped. Hopefully, unless the bully was in your neighborhood and you had to deal with them all the time. But now that, man, bullying goes even worse than real life in some ways. It goes online. Kids are bullying each other online. It's just all day they have to deal with this, the, these social things. Instead of just being able to go home and forget about the day, you know, go outside and play, they still they might be getting ragged on online 24-7. So it's hard. Hard. Show some remorse for these kids. It's not really any easier. Uh, I'm not saying you all had it easier. I, I don't know you all personally. Some of you all had probably rough lives growing up, and uh, I feel for that. I was lucky growing up. Very blessed. Whatever you really want to call it. So... Anyways, that was some good news there. Let's move on to Movies with Matt. I do kind of want to have like a sound bite or something right there. That'd be cool. Whenever I go to Movies with Matt or even Good News, everything has a little sound bite. I'll work on that. I'll work on that. I'm going to have two parts, two movies each week, I decided. One movie is going to be a good movie I watched, and the other is going to be a bad movie I watched. But like, so bad it's good I love those kind of movies but the first movie I watched or for the good movie segment for this is a movie called Jojo Rabbit and it's about a young boy that's growing up in Germany and he's he's kind of and he looks up to Hitler because that's you know, that's how he's grown up he's even like somewhat of like a Nazi boy scout kind of a part of the army but as a kid and his imaginary friend is Hitler and this movie's it's a it's mostly a comedy, but it really it has all the feels in it. I was tearing up during a lot of different parts of the movie, laughing during a lot of different parts of the movie, and it was really good. Uh, directed by Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi that is a cool name, if I could say it right. Taika, T-A-I-K-A. I think that's Taika. And Watiti, W-A-I-T-I-T-I. It's even fun to say and how to spell it. Uh, it's starring, though, Taika Watiti is, plays Hitler, and he's hilarious because it's through the viewpoint of this kid. It's his imaginary friend, so he, he doesn't act like Hitler really would. It's just how what the boy would imagine Hitler would be saying to him dur- during everything. And then it also stars... Roman Griffin Davis, is that the boy? Yeah, that's the boy, and he's great. And there's a few younger kids in this that are just fantastic. A lot of times I just, I, I do not like child actors in things. They just, or I just don't like the, 
what they have them do in movies. Like they're way too smart usually. They don't act natural at all, and it gets on my nerves. But in this movie, they do not at all. All the kids are adorable. They crush it as actors. Uh, so Roman Griffin Davis, he's a great little young actor. Keep that name in mind. I think he's going to be a big star sometime, someday. And also stars Thomason McKenzie. There's uh, a young woman also in it, and she was fantastic. Scarlett Johansson's in it as Jojo. That's the little boy's name's mom. She's also amazing. And Taika Waititi not only directs, but he plays Adolf Hitler as well. And then one of my favorite actors, Sam Rockwell, plays Captain Klinzendorf, and he is also amazing in it. I highly recommend watching this movie. Like I said, all the feels. Love the ending so much. And you can see it right now. It's on HBO. If you have HBO, you could watch it for free. I'm sure you could rent it off of Amazon, probably for like four or five bucks. So if you're looking for a good movie um, for the whole family, well, should I say the whole family? What's this rated? Yeah, it's rated PG-13. Sure. The whole family could be in that. It's a good uh, learning experience for kids. Definitely a different way of looking at World War II, but fantastic. Highly recommend. Now let's move on to the bad movie. I've seen this movie a lot growing up. I used to watch it for different reasons than I watch it now. (laughs) This is not a kids-friendly movie, but the movie is called Showgirls. 1995's Showgirls, starring... Elizabeth Berkley of Saved by the Bell fame at the time uh, has Kyle McLaughlin. I don't know. I don't know if you'd know a lot of these actors, but it was a big flop. It is. It is a mess, but it is hilarious. If you if you watch it for that reason, knowing that this movie sucks and. Some of the scenes are just hilarious without even, not like they're even trying to be hilarious. There's a pool sex scene that, it, oh my gosh, my girlfriend and I watched this together and we've both seen it before, but we had a great time watching it and laughing together. It's just funny. The director is Paul Verhoeven. I'm getting all the hard names today. And he's a great director. He directed... Let me see. He directed RoboCop, one of my favorite movies of all time. He directed, that was before Showgirls. I think he, let me see, all filmography, filmography director. He filmed Basic Instinct, never really saw that. He, Total Recall. So here he went, RoboCop 87, Total Recall 1990, Basic Instinct 1992, and then Showgirls 95. So that was his flop. But those other three before that were hits, I, I believe, at least uh, cult-wise. And then uh, Hollow Man 2000, that or sorry, Star Troopers 1997, Hollow Man, which is kind of another... I liked it when I was a kid, but that's not really a great movie in 2000. And I don't really know if he's done too much since then that I've heard of. But definitely check out Showgirls if you want a good laugh. Uh, just had a shitty movie. One of my favorite things to do. I, I either like to watch really good movies, really good shows, or really shitty movies that I can laugh at. And that's me in a nutshell. So that ends our good movies and bad movies with Matt segment. Also, want to talk about a show I just started watching. It's only had one episode, but it was fantastic. It was a great, great first episode. And the, mov- and the show is called Lovecraft Country. Okay, it's about, uh, I'll just read the, it says a young African-American travels across the U.S. in the 1950s in search of his missing father. And I'm just going to say there's monsters in it. Without saying too much, there's still a lot of mystery involved because it was just the first episode. Uh, Every episode comes on at Sunday, so, oh, that was yesterday. So I'm looking forward to watching that second episode. It's one of those things I have to wait for my girlfriend to watch it. She'd probably be upset if I watched the second episode without her. And we don't live together, so we just... So, anyways, can't wait for to watch that second episode. Highly recommend it. 
the I just love how it's shot. It's made to be in the fifties, but it's super colorful, and it's like just a good mix of being real, but then the fantasy part is also in there. So, highly recommend Lovecraft Country. And that's movies and shows with Matt. Let's move on to questions. Questions. Man, I got so many good questions this week. I'm going to answer pretty much all of them. Uh, Once again, if you have any questions you want to ask me, you can put them on my Facebook page. You can email me at mmarion11 at gmail.com. You can say that you want to be anonymous. That's completely fine. None of these people really seem like they wanted to be anonymous. So I usually just use first names too. Unless you really want me to use your whole name, you can you can ask me to do that. And my first question is from Kev. Kev is a, a good friend of mine. He's seen Fletcher's Grove since, I'll get into it here in a second, but since 2007, so we were just out of high school. And he's always been a, a big supporter and just a, a really good friend, and I, I really miss our talks that we would have at different music festivals and such. But Kev asks, what year did y'all first play Trips Farm, and were you still in high school? And the answer is just out of high school. So we played Thanksgiving in 2007. I had to ask uh, Ryan Krofcheck. He, he has the best memory with gigs, especially because he was getting us all the gigs at the time. And I believe that was, they called it the last show, quote unquote. Um, I'm guessing that's because Trip was still alive at the time. Uh, luckily, I got the meet Trip before he passed away. And it's an amazing place. I was asked uh, last week by my friend Mark, what's one of the most interesting places you've been in West Virginia? And I got to say, Trip's Farm also known as uh, Sunshine Daydream, out in Terra Alta. Uh, they've had a lot of festivals out there. They had, I believe it was called Jerry's Birthday Bash, and um, Bob Weir came out there at the time. I think that was probably whenever it was the the biggest thing that they've had out there. And ever since, they would have festivals out there multiple times a year. Um, I think Pigeons Playing Ping Pong had one of their first Dome Fests out there that we played at, but I've played there a bunch of times and it is a, it is a really cool place. There's a big barn inside that has a stage inside of it and people can stand up on the balcony or they can just dance on the floor at the bottom. And I've had a lot of good times out there. Lots. Camping outside. There'd be a stage outside sometimes as well. They actually built a stage not long ago. We were the first band to play on this new stage they built outside. I remember they were literally like hammering in the the boards as we're going up the ramp to finish the ramp as we are setting up and definitely a magical place i look forward to getting out there and kev i know that you're uh you're really looking forward to going back out there but yeah i was just that was during my freshman year of college so just out of high school i remember you talking to me about that just how we looked like a bunch of kids <laughs> coming in there and uh looking back on it we definitely were and some of the best times of my life have been out at Tripp's Farm. So anytime you all hear about a festival being out at Sunshine Daydream or Tripp's Farm, definitely recommend going out there. So that was a great question. All right, Ivan. Ivan from a band from Morgantown, Mariner and Fr- <clears throat> Excuse me, Manor and Friends. Miss seeing those guys play. I know they've a lot of them moved in different areas. But he asked, how many pecks of pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? Well, what is a peck of pickled peppers? I'm going to do some research. What is a peck of peppers? A peck is two gallons, eight quarts, or a fourth a bushel. Bushel. A peck holds 537.605 cubic inches or approximately 8.8098 liters. Wow. Huh. 
So two gallons. If Peter Piper could, if Peter Piper picked two gallons of pickled peppers, how many pecks did Peter Piper pick? How many? If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, how many pecks of pickled peppers did Peter Piper? I mean, there's not enough information in that question. Depends on how long he had. And if they're pickled, you don't pick... Pe wait. Peppers aren't pickled until you pick them. So, zero. The answer is zero. Ding, 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 ding. Those peppers were already picked, y'all. So, that's the answer to that one. That was a pretty uh, awful question, Ivan. Ivan also asks... He, it's a twofer. He gets two questions. He says, if there, if there is other life forms out there and the light from our planet is just reaching them, what would they see? Would they see dinosaurs? And if they came to visit, what would they find? If they can travel faster than the speed of light, does that mean they can travel back in time? I actually got in some of this research. I know theoretically you can go forwards in time. If, you can, if you're in a vehicle... That can go nearly the speed of light. Not even theoretically. I think they've proven this by shooting atoms. They like I don't know how scientists do it, but they would have two atoms, and they take one atom and put it in like a particle accelerator. I think that's what they used, and they could make that atom go nearly the speed of light. And whenever that atom would come back, and they compare the two atoms, the atom that stood in place had aged more than the atom that went the speed of light. So that atom, in a sense, went the, nearly the speed of light and went into the future because it wasn't as old as the one that was not going the speed of light. But I, I have heard that they don't think it's really possible to go back in time because that's almost like, as a musician, it's like feedback. You'd be getting too much feedback somehow. I forget. I, I can't explain it as well as what I saw. But... You can't go back in time because of feedback. Excuse me. Excuse me. But if there are other life forms out there and life from our planet is reaching them, what would they see? Again, I, it depends on how far it is. I, I have heard, you know, when we're seeing a star, we're seeing it thousands of years in the past or so. And because light does take time to reach you. Super fast, but, you know, a light year, of course, is how far light would travel in a year. And some of these stars are light years away, so we're looking years into the past when we see the stars, and that's cool. Um, what would they see? So, yeah. If they can travel the speed of light, they'd be going forwards in time, not backwards. So that's that's my official answer for that, and that is a fact, Jack. All right, Jeremy from Beggar's Clan, one of my favorite bands, and uh, they're also from West Virginia. Check out Beggar's Clan. And uh, Jeremy's also a percussionist, so he's a auxiliary percussionist bro of mine. We got to stick together. And Jeremy asks, who would win in a knife fight, Wes or Tommy? Hmm. Wes, of course, is our lead guitarist, and Tommy is our drummer. Tommy also records at Riot City Studios. If you need a good recording of your band, I'd highly recommend. This, is, this has been a recommendation podcast. I've been recommending all over the dang place. But if you do need a good recording, go to Riot City Studios. I know I've mentioned that in the podcast before. So who would win in a knife fight? Wes does work out, and uh, Tommy doesn't, really. I think Tommy walks here and there. But Tommy's really smart, but so is Wes. But man, I don't I I think the obvious answer here is probably Wes. Uh, I hope it wouldn't come down to a knife fight, but you really never know. When you're out on the road, tensions run high, emotions run high, tensions are taut, and what I've seen Wes kind of fight with our old bass player uh, our old bass player Taylor and I don't know he's not the most graceful person though when he's mad and he's trying to fight 
I think Tommy maybe could think clearer. It would be a good one. It'd be a good knife fight. You gave both of them a knife and said you had to fight. And does winning mean you kill the other person? Or just the other person gives up or gets cut too much? I don't know, man. This is a tough one. I'm going to say West just because I think he has fought a little bit more than Tommy. They both grew up with brothers, so I'm sure they had their fair share of fighting. But I might have to go with Wes on this one. But Tommy has a, he, Tommy does surprise me sometimes. So we, we will see. We'll see. We might have to set that up. We'll go live on Facebook, live uh, knife fight with Wes versus Tommy. All right, got a question from Thomas Batchelor. Oh, I used his last name. Or wait, is it Tom Bachelor? It might be. It actually might be a totally different Tom. Tom Bachelor. Okay, this is Thomas Bachelor. <laughs> Anyways, Tom Bachelor of the Tom Bachelor Band, amazing musician. Also, also uh, a member of Rasta Rafiki. Love both of those bands. Love Tom. He's a good dude. Funny dude. But he asks, can God make a rock so big that even he couldn't lift it? Man, we're getting deep in this thing. And I'm going to say yes. At least for my personal beliefs. I think God set some things in in motion. And after that, he's, he's kind of hands off. Because I don't know if he can control things so much. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I think if God could lift a rock so big, he would definitely have done it. Because boulders have fallen on great people, right? I'm sure all over the place. People that didn't deserve to get run over by a boulder have. And God wasn't there to lift it up. Some will say yes. I don't think really God can lift up any rocks. So there's that. And next question. These are some great questions we got. Perry. Perry from the MFB. Amazing entertainer. Great person. Great teacher. He was on the front lines whenever teachers were on strike. You saw him in his, his Uncle Uncle Sam costume. And he is the man. So Perry, you're the man. And he says, what's your thoughts on the state and future of the music industry for 2020 and beyond? Wow. That's a big question. I... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if venues will ever be the same. I don't know. I hope they will be. I think it's going to take some time, probably at least a year from now. Just to... I think COVID's going to cause a lot of people to be somewhat more germaphobic about everything. I, I already kind of was... I mean, especially when it came to just even just opening doors, I never use my fingers. I always I try to use my wrist if I can get my arm around like the hook. Uh, bathrooms never touch the door knob going out. Always use a towel, paper towel, and then try to shoot it in the trash can if it's far away. And use my foot, whatever I can do to just not touch things after I wash my hands. And I never really was scared about people breathing on me, but. COVID's definitely made me more aware of that. And the state of the music industry right now, it's it's just it's hypocritical right now, especially in West Virginia. Just the things that we're allowing to have open, not in every county, but a lot of counties are having bars open, just limited capacity. And I don't understand why we can't have bands play to these limited capacity places. I'm trying to think why the reasoning is. Is it because they think music just makes people go crazy? Are we in the 50s and people think music is rock and roll's evil? What does music do that alcohol doesn't? I think a couple people, a couple, should be able to dance together close if they want to. So it's hypocritical in the state that it's in right now. I mean, I don't even know if it's right to have restaurants open. I definitely, school's getting ready to open here in about a week. I don't think that's right for them to be opening. I think it's too soon to 
put these teachers in these kind of positions. And man, the future of the music industry. It really sucks, especially for these live bands that thrive on having shows. And I know they're really hurting right now. And they're putting on live streams, but a lot of these bands, they're not getting the attendance watching the live streams like they would do at an actual show. So that already isn't right. And the people that are watching the live stream are not getting the same experience as being at a live show in front of these musicians. And I'd imagine live streaming is gonna, going to be more popular uh, I, I saw the top 50 live streams. I'm really proud of a lot of bands that we've played with in the past have made that that list over the past uh, few weeks. But I think it's just going to take a while, man. And it's going to be a long time before we have any form of normalcy. Uh, normalcy? I don't even know its word. But it's just going to be a while. I don't think it's going to be normal for a long time, if ever. And it's going to hurt for a while. I think it's going to hurt our, our bands for a while. So my heart goes out to bands that that's all they do as a career because you took a risk, just like a lot of these businesses that are shutting down from COVID, took a risk and put all their money and livelihood into these places, and now they're shut down because of these this unprecedented thing. So luckily, my bandmates and I got, for the most part, have more going on than just music in our careers, and ah, man, it sucks. I, I could see a lot more people, like it's not like a lot of people are all of a sudden want to start a band right now. So I think there's going to be less bands for a little bit while, uh, but I do think Recording might be crazy. I think there's a lot of great songs probably being written during all this because we don't just have COVID. We still have uh, a lot of issues when it comes to race and inequalities and everything right now. It's a, it's a, it's a mess that this country's in and just the world in general. So I think there's a lot of good music being written out there. I imagine there's going to be some really good records come out. Uh, here in here in the next year or so, so we'll see, man. We will see. Sorry, that was a hard question to answer. Um, Emily Joe, great great friend. She's been supporting my podcast from day one. She's an amazing teacher. She's also an amazing musician. Uh, great great person to be around. Always very uh always smiling big and just being very friendly. Uh, I miss seeing her. Uh, she asks, what's the greatest gift you've ever received? What's the gift you're most proud of giving? Huh. The best gift I ever received. So let's just talk. I'm, I'm just going to say it's like something con like an object. Okay. Not like a, my niece or nephew. Those are great gifts, but it's not like they're for me. I'd say my greatest gift that I ever got was my guitar. I think I just I think it was my 15th birthday and my my parents gave me a uh just a note that said, "Here's the allotted amount of money, spend it on an acoustic guitar." And I was telling my dad like, "I think I want a Taylor or Martin," and I couldn't decide, so they just gave me a decent amount of money. I know they saved up just to give me and my dad and I went to the guitar shop and I bought my Taylor guitar. Just a just a plain old guitar, but man, I, I still play it from this day. I've written multiple songs on it. I play it just about every day. I don't play uh, guitar in the band, but it's definitely a big hobby of mine that I'm so thankful for. Uh, I just love learning tunes that I love and to sing you know, for people at parties and stuff like that. And it's brought a lot of joy. It's like that song, Thanks for the joy that you've given me. Um... So yeah, my guitar is probably my favorite gift. What's the gift you're most proud of giving? Uh At one point I was kind of I was getting into Buddhism just not like really diving into it, not having like a Buddhist master or anything like that, but I read some books on it and I I got some of these meditation beads and I was attached to them like 
I just love them so much. And then I remember I learned in Buddhism just not to, not to hold on to things too much, not to feel so possessive of things. And one time I was at a party, I had had a few drinks actually, but uh, a friend of mine said, she said, I really love your, your, your beads. Those are awesome. And then I just thought about for a second and I said, I want you to have these, you know, I, I, I'm feeling an attachment to them that I really shouldn't be feeling. And it would just make me a lot happier. And I think it more virtuous of an act to give you these beads. So it wasn't a huge gift at all, but I just, that was the first thing that popped in my head whenever you asked that question. All righty, moving right through these questions. All right, Al Tomp, my buddy Alex, living down in Florida, catching them fish. I miss him a lot. Him and his girlfriend, Brittany, are great friends of mine. But we've been staying in touch. He says, why did a former band member hate Arby's so much? And well, I'll tell you who that, that member was that he doesn't mention. It was Taylor, uh, our previous bass player, founding bass player. And uh, whenever you're on the road, it's it's always a, it's sometimes a struggle. Like, what are we going to eat? Usually it's fast food. It's hard to eat good on the road, especially when you're trying to save money, not making that much money. And he hated Arby's. And he goes, I hate Arby's. I don't want to go to Arby's. He throw a fit like if we, <laughs> we decide we're going to go to Arby's. I love Arby's. I, I think he hasn't really dove into the Arby's menu. They don't just have roast beef sandwiches, which I love. I know it might not be r- real roast beef, but whatever. I don't eat fast food to eat well. I just eat fast food because it's tasty sometimes. And he would throw a dang fit if we were going to Arby's. They have great fries. I don't know what his problem is with the, if he doesn't like the fries. He he is physical fit, physically fit. So maybe they didn't have the healthiest things on the menu. They have wraps though, Taylor. You can try that. I know he listens to this podcast, so he's probably getting a little ticked off right now listening to this. I mean, he he liked KFC though a lot. That's what I think. If my memory serves me right, he always loved to go to KFC. Why not Arby's? This is a hard question. This is probably the hardest question to answer. I don't know why he doesn't like Arby's. He couldn't tell me that he's tried every single thing on the menu and he just hasn't found what he likes. They have cold deli sandwiches if you want. They have hot sandwiches. They have wraps. Heck, they probably even have salads. They have gyros, gyros, however you want to say it. Jeez, Taylor. Piece of shit. Anyways, let's move on. All right, my man, Evit Sem. Evit Sem, E-V-E-T-S-E-M. Or check out his SoundCloud at Sue Evitz, S-U, one word, and then Evitz, E-V-E-T-S. I won't tell the secret about your secret identity. But he has great, really great stuff on SoundCloud. He's getting ready to, they're getting ready to release an, a new album around Halloween. But he has a Sue Evitz, has... Volume 1 and Volume 2, I believe, on SoundCloud. Might have even more than that, but been really digging it, man. It's kind of psychedelic rock. Um, It's bad. I'm not very good at explaining music, but really been enjoying just chilling and listening to that kind of music. So keep it up, man. But And also, thank you so much for... He's been listening pretty much from day one. He's been subscribing to my YouTube channel and just liking and everything and that means so much at this stage so any of y'all please subscribe to my youtube channel it's not just going to be my podcast i already have a video on there about me about how uh, to make a frozen pizza the perfect way and some tips in there and, and whatnot so please subscribe to mondays with matt on youtube anyways evit sam says i've been digging that little intro and outro jam on the mon on the mondays podcasts so my question is, what's the deal with that? You make it or what? I did make it. So that little tune that's at the beginning of the podcast and it appears at the end is an original tune of mine. And it was pretty much just unfinished. I started recording it on, I just use GarageBand. I don't have a fancy studio. And uh, recorded it on GarageBand, just made my, my own beat. I kind of went from my iPad and then back to my computer because the iOS version of GarageBand is really cool just because it lets you play the instruments a little easier than if you're just on your laptop. 
and so I made my beat with the beat maker on there, and then just already I had this chord progression forever. I actually have a guitar right here. You might not be able to hear it really well, but the chords are just A A minor C or wait C A minor E minor and then the G, and like a lot of songs I have like all I have is a progression. I've played them for years. I have a few like a bunch of songs that I just have progressions for, but I never finished them. And I had like the the beat like and originally it was kind of going to be like a more of a a song like just a regular song and then I ended up turning it into something different. I was almost even thinking this was going to have a rap to it for the verses. And then what I have written now is just the chorus. And it was written right after COVID was starting a couple weeks into it. So, you know, that's where the lyrics kind of came from. Um, the less I see, the more I want to be alone. The world I'm in won't throw a guy like me a bone. I'll make my own. My mind's my home. I'll return to earth when I make my world my own. But, uh, yeah, I still think it could be a cool song. Oh, sorry. Acoustic-wise. But I, I really appreciate that, man, especially coming from somebody, somebody that uh, writes and records amazing, amazing tunes. So thank you so much for listening, man, and it uh, really means a lot. Okay, I think we just have one final question. This is from Kaiden. Good, good friend of mine from Morgantown. We worked for years together, known him for even longer than that. He is currently the drummer for Ghost Road, an amazing rock band out of Morgantown. And he really, he re, he loves playing music. He loves touring. We just, I talked to him on the phone just the other day. And because I'm personally, I, I really don't know if life on the road is meant for me. I really like being home, somewhat of a homebody. I still like being creative though. And that's what I love this podcast because I can just be creative, but I don't have to leave my home too much except for the experiences that I want to gain to talk about. And uh, Kaiden says, Hey, Matt, first-time listener, first-time caller. I like this, like a radio show. I know you guys have played a ton of shows at 123 Pleasant Street in Morgantown, West Virginia, so the shutdowns have happened locally, regionally, and nationally. We are in a time when we aren't sure when we can have any shows and clubs anytime soon. Uh... I know this has an effect on a lot of musicians and bands. My question is twofold. One, do you have a favorite show or fondest memory playing at 123? Two, what do you think we can do as musicians and fans to help support our music scene? Definitely. Uh, 123 Pleasant Street, like you said, is an amazing venue in Morgantown. The best venue in Morgantown for to see live music. It was previously the Nyabingi and previously the Underground Railroad before that. And very historical. I think even the Red Hot Chili Peppers played there in the 80s. Um, a lot of great bands. Rusted Roots played there back in the day. Um, Pigeons playing ping pong. Got a big start in West Virginia from 123 Pleasant Street. I have a lot of memories there, man. All the way from getting kicked out from I think your guitar player was bouncing and I got kicked out for underage drinking whenever I was first at WVU. I was nice about it though. I was like, ah, you caught me because they're really good at that there. So no underage drinking there. Great establishment. Um, so I saw a lot of live bands there. My, my fondest memory was probably just the first time my band sold out. Fletcher's Grove sold out one, two, three. As I mentioned in a podcast earlier, I, I didn't have that much confidence and didn't really feel comfortable in college. Didn't really make a ton of friends. I just didn't feel like I had a lot in common with people. And finally, 
we were playing a lot of different shows. Our first show at one, two, three was, it was, uh, a nineties tribute show. So they had a ton of bands and we chose three songs to do from the nineties. What did we do? We did, uh, Oh, fastball. What's that song by fastball? The way we did the way by fastball. We did, uh, all around the world, red hot chili peppers, which we still play. And we did The Bad Touch by Bloodhound Gang, which we still play. All those songs were late 90s, maybe even 2000, but no, you know, nobody was keeping score there. So that was our first time we played there and kind of made an impression, I guess. And finally got started doing shows there on our own. And finally we sold it out and I was just on top of the world. Um, you know, Croft and I started the band a long time before that and we were trying to get into one, two, three in general and then finally worked our way up to selling out for that first time and that was an amazing feeling and I kind of felt finally I was out of college I think at the time but just being like hey I'm a part of this town now you know it felt it felt great um so that's probably my fondest memory man there at one two three and then his second question is what do you think we can do as musicians and fans to help support our scene well Definitely check out just watching live streams. Um, you can support me personally by listening to my podcast, at least if you like it. Don't feel like you're forced to listen to this thing. And uh, donate some money if you can to these musicians, especially like like I said earlier, the ones that are are solely bands that make money from gigging. Maybe you know donate some money to them. Try to help them out. Just know that know that they support them, especially if you want to ever see them play again because it might be different. A lot of these bands that have been just making money off of playing, they're probably looking at other jobs right now, I would imagine. Uh, so definitely think you could do that. Sharing, just liking things on Facebook and sharing is such a big deal, and it's not hard to do. Just push the fucking like button. Sorry, but I, I I do get a little mad. It just it's not that hard to like and support things on Facebook. Comment. It takes seconds to comment. It takes less than a second to like something. So every time, every day, if you see a band that posts something and you like this band, they're friends of yours. Push the like button. Those likes mean a lot when it comes to getting future gigs and stuff. Venues are looking at how many likes, how many people they got interacting on their social media. So hit that dang like button or heart button on Instagram. That's that's what I have to say about that. So that ends our questions. Now we have band story time. Band story time. So this story I actually wrote down right after it happened in this little little tiny leather journal that I had. I'm really glad I did because this is a really good story. It's really long, so I know we're we're going way past an hour on this one, but oh well. So if you're still with me, thank you all so much for listening. This is what we're going to end with, band story time. And I wrote this story. I pretty much got this book just to write this story in. So I am going to leave some things out. It comes exactly what was going down. You can maybe fill in the blanks if you know my bandmates. So this is from... March 29th, 2011. Atlanta Spring Break. Oh, I thought it was in Asheville. So, it says ATL Spring Break 2011. My first, so I'm just I'm kind of just going to read from this book, see what I wrote, so it's been a while since I looked at it. My first reason for buying this notebook was to tell this story about my band Fletcher's Grove. The day was March 23rd, 2011, a Wednesday. We took a trip to Atlanta during our spring break. We were going there for an APCA conference. We didn't know what to expect for the conference, but we were excited to play another, excited to take another band road trip. All Fletcher trips have a story. This is just a good one to start with. Croft had the idea to stop and spend the night in Nashville, North Carolina. I'd never been there before, but I heard it was the town to go to for people like me. It's a colorful town where you see something cool and unique around every corner. Croft posted a Facebook status on our band Facebook asking what cool bars we should check out. A lot of our fans have been there, and a lot of our fans are heady beer drinkers. (laughs) 
We got over 20 responses, so we decided to go bar hopping that night so we could experience all of the bars. Maybe not experience them, but go to them at least. I don't know what I meant by that. The trip to Asheville was very nice. It rained hard for one point. Croft and I had to buy some cheap sunglasses on the way because it was so damn sunny for some reason before we hit the storms. When it stopped raining, we were in Tennessee near Johnson City. Of course, we sang Wagon Wheel. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, of course, we sang Wagon Wheel. I felt great. When the sun came out, we hadn't smoked any the whole time before that. Uh, skip some of this. Maybe you smoked a little bit. Um, skipping, skipping. So, uh, felt great. Blessed to be on a road trip with my band of brothers. We pulled into Asheville about 10 minutes after Wes Taylor and Adam. We met up with some, with them, checked out a head shop, and asked the guy who worked there where we should go to to get some good food. He said there was a killer Mexican restaurant about three or so blocks from there. We walked there and, and ate, only to find out it was exactly like our identical Mexican restaurants back home. <laughs> they are all uh, really similar. Not all of them, but they are pretty similar. Anyways, after that, we went to drop off our shit at the hotel. It was a guest house hotel. We went to check in. We asked for a cot because there was five of us in two beds. This led the manager to be suspicious of us. We told him just three three would be staying in, in that room and that the other two would find another place. That was a lie. We thought this white lie would work. However, we didn't expect the manager to watch over us like a hawk through the security cameras. We got a taxi and went out on the town. The first bar we hit up was called Jack in the Wood. For Wednesday night, all the bars were packed. I had an IPA from there, lots of local breweries around Asheville. We left that we left that bar after one beer and bounced like pinballs across the street from bar to bar. This part of the night was awesome. We were sipping on some awesome brews. I puked after taking a shot of Jägermeister and was ready for more beers. I couldn't really taste the beers because I was sick. I still can't taste as I am writing this. Wow, that's weird. It sucks but I could tell the beer tasted good. After four or so different bars, we ended up at a place called Mo Daddy's and Mamacitas. It seemed like a cool jazz bar. They were having a jam session. Adam, who was our drummer at the time, went up and played on a few songs. He sounded great. It's cool watching one of your bandmates perform. Makes you realize how talented they are when you get to observe. We stayed there for a while. Adam came out of nowhere with a martini in his hand with the olives and everything. He said he got it for free, which ended up being bullshit. We think he was putting his drinks on Croft's tab, but we'll never get it out of him. When one of the guitarists took a break, I, st- excuse me, I started looking for Wes, because I knew he was wanting to jam. He was nowhere to be found, but I figured he was around somewhere. It wasn't until we got in the cab that we realized he was really gone. His phone couldn't answer calls. I sent him a text that said, I don't know what you're doing, but don't fuck up, goddammit. He said, I won't. Just blank. Um, So he was out looking for whatever. Looking to get into no good. Um, uh, I honestly wasn't scared for Wes, probably because I was drunk. I actually found it funny. So like Wes. um, He tends to do crazy stuff. I think mostly for the thrill of it. We continued to receive texts from Wes. All we knew is that he ran off and... uh, Ended up in some kind of ghetto. The four of us went on to the hotel while Wes's night was still up in the air. We got back to the hotel and our keys wouldn't work. Like, they had the cards and all of a sudden they wouldn't work in our, our, our door. Well, ends up the hotel manager didn't believe we only had three people staying in the room. This hotel, this hotel was serious. Fuck them. Wes walked the five miles back to the hotel. He texted Croft at 5.30 a.m. Only, to only to be told he couldn't room... He couldn't come in the room because of the hotel Nazis. This pissed Wesley off. Naturally, he smacked an exit sign off the ceiling of the hotel hallway. This would bite Wes in the ass once we get to Atlanta and tell him the hotel... And then the hotel called Croft and told him they got Wes on camera fucking their exit sign up. We called the front desk to ask for permission to let Wes in our room around 9 a.m. This hotel had us sketched out. Wes came in and told us about his night. Not really going to go into the exact details of what Wes got into, but thankfully Wes returned unscarred. 
I think he learned a lesson, whatever lesson that may be, I say in this book. So uh, that pretty much ends the band story. I, I, I honestly did stop the recording here to just read through because some of the things I just don't really feel comfortable with uh, sharing with you guys at the moment, maybe years and years down the road, I'd be more apt to share, but it wasn't the wildest story, I guess, but it was just fucked up, man, that hotel guy and some hotels watch you more than others. So stay away from guest house hotels. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, this episode was aight. I think last week's episode might have been a little better, but we're just going to keep this thing going, man. So just keep trudging along, right? So I love you guys so much. Hope you have a great week, and I will be back next Monday. Later. Yes, I see the morning.